0: It's a critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com, the network's website, of course, oraclebroadcasting.com. Today is Sunday, July twenty second, 2012. The show is live every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. East Coast time. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a really great announcement. We raised, through the chip-in effort on the What on Earth is Happening website, the required amount to make this radio show go ad free for the next three months at least, and today I'm coming at you ad free, no commercials during the entire show today. So thank you so much for everyone who contributed to make this possible, and the show will be ad free for at least the next three months. We're gonna uh, put a chip in on the page to uh, uh, continue this effort and to uh, make the show go ad free indefinitely. So uh, thank you so much. I can't express my uh, Admiration and, and gratitude for all the people who contributed to make this happen. Um, it shows what you could do when you uh, put some will behind something and uh, really just ask for something to manifest. And uh, people who find this show valuable did put their money where their mouth is, so to speak. And uh, I want to thank them for doing so. So, I have a couple of other quick event announcements. Um, I was on Truth Frequency Radio. Last evening, July 22nd, I'm sorry, July 21st, and uh, Chris and Cherie interviewed me for two hours on their broadcast for the second two hours, uh, uh, the the second and third hour of their broadcast, and uh, we talked a little bit about the tragic events that went down in Colorado uh, from an an esoteric or occult perspective. and. that show will be archived in the news section this week so look for that Um, you can download the uh, MP3 download the uh, podcast to go along with that show I'll be posting it in the next couple of days also the truth freedom prosperity documentary night here in Philadelphia will be happening this Thursday evening July 26th this month we're showing a film called war on health the FDA's Cult of Tyranny. As always, the Truth, Freedom, Prosperity documentary night happens on the last Thursday of every month here in the city of Philadelphia at Essene Market and Cafe. That is on 719 South 4th Street. That's the corner of 4th and Monroe Streets in Philadelphia, just south of South Street. And uh, The War on Health is just a phenomenal documentary. It's a documentary that uh, details the FDA agenda and its allegiance with the International Codex Alimentarius, uh, both of which really are hoping to establish a monolithic food and drug health regime, so-called health regime. Really, um, they're all about the destruction of human health, uh, as we've talked about in the past on this show. And this will be a great documentary evening coming up this Thursday night uh with a uh, discussion to follow i have a huge announcement for today before we get into the subject matter uh actually before i do that i want to thank uh my guest from last week uh Jasper Jones from the River City to Hydrogen project that was a great interview and anybody who missed it you can go back and check it out in the archives at show number 116 and uh, of course uh Thank you to everybody involved with the uh, Tesla Science Foundation and the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations for 2012, two weeks ago. Of course, I had uh, a live broadcast from that event. Uh, If you missed that, that was show 115. And uh, you can go back into the podcast archive at What on Earth is Happening to check that out. I interviewed 10 uh, guests from the conference on that show. So today we're going to be picking up with our regularly scheduled deprogramming. We're going to be going back into the um, non-supportive dominators, but specifically, we're going to be talking about um, the occult mockery of police and military, actually continuing this topic. We've already been on that topic for a couple of weeks before I took the interlude uh, with the Tesla event uh, and uh, the interview with Jasper Jones last week. So today we'll be resuming Uh, My breakdown of the occult mockery of police and military personnel through the symbolism that is employed against them, the subversive symbolism that is used to ritualistically mock them. That's coming up today on the show. But before we do that, I have a gigantic announcement. I actually announced this for the first time last night on uh, Truth Frequency, but I'll be announcing it right now uh, for the first time on What on Earth is Happening. Ladies and gentlemen, there will be a second Free Your Mind conference. That's right. Free Your Mind 2 will be taking place right here in the city of Philadelphia on April 19th, 20th, and 21st, 2013. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. April 19th, 20th, and 21st, 2013 here in Philadelphia. Uh, No other details as of just yet. Uh, details will be forthcoming. I'm working on uh, building a new website for the free your mind conference dot com uh, page and um, I'll be archiving the former material the two thousand eleven material. It looks like we're going to be able to have this conference probably every other year. We'll do it on the odd years and um, we actually had our first organizational meeting yesterday and it went really well and um you know we're looking at all the different logistics necessary to make this occur. So um, check out freeyourmindconference.com uh, over the next week. It will be changing somewhat because I'll be putting the new interface up. But uh, right now you can see the old website for freeourmindconference.com with all of the videos for all of the speakers uh, up there from the conference from 2011. So that's the big announcement. uh, Free Your Mind 2, 2013, April of 2013, here in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, Watch for the the website uh, details coming up over the next couple of weeks. We'll be announcing speakers as we book them. We'll be announcing a venue. We don't have a venue yet, but we will be announcing one shortly, and we'll be announcing how you can get tickets to this great event. Okay. So, I'd like to direct everyone's attention, of course, to my website, WhatOnEarthIsHappening.com, and there, underneath the player for today's uh, uh, the player for the um, uh, radio show, you will see images for today's show, and under that, you will see the slideshow images that we're going to be discussing today, continuing to discuss for the occult mockery of police and military personnel. There are 148 images that go with the entirety of this talk. We're somewhere around image number 40, I believe. Uh, I believe we left off with images number 40 and 41 uh, at the end of the show three weeks ago. If you missed uh, the the lead up to this, the two shows before that, which I believe were uh, 113 and 114, began this discussion on the occult mockery of police and military personnel. This is uh, somewhat of a review in some sections because there's prerequisite material to understand some of this symbolism so again I'm putting this down for the record in this format so some of it may be review. Uh, What wasn't review really is some of the things that I talked about at the end of uh, show number 114 which was um, an expose of the Faustian pentagram and that's kind of where we left off that show. So I'm going to pick it up from there. Um, As we saw, the inverted pentagram is used when it comes to police and military. Uh, We saw it at the White House with the commander in chief's office. uh, The commander in chief of the the armed services in the United States, his office being at the White House, the president, the, uh, the executive branch of the government. And we saw the Faustian pentagram situated in the street plan of Washington DC directly north of the White House with the middle point the downward point of the inverted Faustian pentagram pointing directly at the White House this symbol is a symbol of war. Uh, the North has always been associated with the God Belial and the, uh, the concept of war and aggression and as we said this is the center of the imperialistic aggression in the United States. So uh, it's very fitting that this symbol were, was chosen for you know, such a, a, um, uh, an office to be encoded into the street plan. We talked about what the Faustian pentagram was, uh, how it is a pentagram of pacts is really what it is. And I would suggest that the broken arm ultimately symbolizes that the pact of the dark forces within government agencies and the entities that these occult powers really believe in and some would say worship uh, but you could say call upon for their power you know for their influence over the minds of people I would suggest that that really represents that that, that pact is not really fully um, has not been fully expressed it has not been it has not come to its conclusion uh, There is still I guess you could say um... uh... powers being turned over to the people who are seeking them but the fullness of that pact is has not been sealed as of yet uh... represented by the broken arm of that pentagram and um... we looked at manly p hall's interpretation of this uh... symbol this was on image number thirty nine so we moved on from there after breaking down what the faustian pentagram was and represented on that show and we can move we began to move to other examples of the inverted pentagram in police and military symbolism. Uh, we looked at one of the most obvious to some. Some people will say, "Oh, it's just a Pentagon." But really, we have to understand the usage of symbolism through negative space. This is how occultists really love to use symbolism in many cases. And the negative space that we're talking about here is the hub of a, an inverted pentagram, which is what the pentagon is. You know, I really think if it wasn't so blatantly obvious, they just would have went ahead and made it an inverted pentagram for this building. But they figured, well, that's a little bit too obvious. So let's do the next best thing and take the, the central hub shape, you know, of the inverted pentagram and make that the symbol, uh, the shape of our building. Where we're going to wage war and imperialism from. so if you look at image number forty one it is a, an animated gif showing how perfectly within the center of an inverted pentagram the um, Pentagon building actually fits. It's an exact fit. the dimensions are precise so um, I would suggest that's certainly not accidental and there is a cult symbolism through the use of negative space being employed here. If you even look in the center of the pentagon, there's another pentagon in the negative space. They love that use of negative space. We saw that with the um, um, uh, army uh, five-star uh, f- five generals um, emblem, which is the inverted pentagram. Uh, employed through the use of the negative space of the arrangement of the five stars. Another example of pentagonal symbolism or in general star symbol five-pointed star symbolism is the Fraternal Order of Polices logo shown in image number 42. Uh, I'm gonna break this down later in the presentation on occult uh, symbolism regarding military and police um, emblems because there's prerequisite understanding for this symbol. There's gematria or occultic numerology contained in this symbol as well as um, Masonic symbolism. So uh, I would just point it out that this is occult symbolism being employed. You, of course, see the all seeing eye. You see uh, a Masonic grip being employed in the lower right hand arm of the pentagram. Uh, the phrase, just fidus liberatum, uh, justice, uh, fidelity, and liberty. So uh, I would suggest that the Fraternal Order of Police certainly represents none of those things, uh, although they're employing that that phrase on their um, emblem to try to reel people in to get them to think that that's what this somehow represents. But in fact, we'll see it's really the raising of duality over unity, uh, maintaining an us versus them mentality and uh, keeping not only their members, but the rest of the public confined to the Masonic floor of the house. So uh, we'll look at that after we break down some Masonic symbolism later in this talk. Uh, A very obvious, blatant example of the use of an inverted pentagram is the Victoria Polices emblem. Specifically, as it is used in uh, police hats in uh, Victoria um, Australia, so if you look look at image number forty three right on the third eye, or in other words, between the third eye and crown chakras of the body, meaning right in the middle of the forehead of the individual they 're placing this inverted pentagram, which we broke down earlier uh, on I believe it was show uh, one uh, 114, we broke down the uh, Victoria Police's emblem with the uphold the right and the crown above it as their, uh, their uh, word on the sachet below the inverted pentagram and I suggested that this is exactly um, telling people symbolically that they're upholding the the divine right to rule of the British crown. They're not upholding the people's rights. Um, This is about as blatant as it gets. An inverted pentagram placed at the third eye chakra location. This is blatant mockery of the person who's wearing this. This is telling them we're putting the symbol of the inversion of spirits. You know, the raising of duality above unity right on your head. Right on, as a matter of fact, the place of the, the Awakening of spirit, the third eye chakra. And you know, of course, I would suggest that the heart really is the center of spirit, but in conjunction with the balanced brain, that's what's really opening care in conjunction with the balance of the brain is what's really opening our spiritual vision. And that's represented by the third eye or the one eye, the all seeing eye. And they're placing this satanic emblem directly at that location of the prefrontal cortex. In other words, right on the forehead of the individual. It can't really get any more obvious to me, but uh, there are people who say this is coincidental. I think the people who are making this symbolism know exactly what they are doing and um, are openly mocking police through the use of this symbolism on their body. Unfortunately, because police and other members of the general public are completely symbol illiterate, they can't see that mockery that is being done wordlessly because they're not initiated into such occult symbolism. That's part of why I'm doing this presentation to try to help people become symbol literate so when they see these things, they understand what they're really seeing. They can read the language of symbolism. So let's look at some. One-eye symbolism when it comes to police and military. And really, this is all relating to it's going to ultimately relate to money, the one eye, the fake one eye. That's why so many of these people continue to do what they're doing, because that's their God, that's what they worship. You know They don't have any allegiance to truth. they don't have any allegiance to freedom. You know, they, they just take money for doing actions, and that's it. And uh, unless that source of money dries up or stops flowing, they're going to continue to be the puppet of whoever is commanding them. So one eye symbolism is important not just for understanding it from a perspective of money, but from a perspective of really seeing the positions that they're using some of this symbolism on. Because you'll see it used at that, at that third eye location over and over again. This isn't accidental. They know... Where to place something for it to have the maximum effect uh, synergistically uh, in the, the morphic field of, uh, of the body. You know this is, this is a cult projection it's known as. You're, you're projecting your symbolism in the location of the body, where it is absolutely the most effective. So you'll see symbols being used at the third eye location. or in general, what we're talking about is right up against the brain. That's no accident either. They're putting it on or around, you know, directly around the skull. Um, that's a totally deliberate effort. So that proximity is having an effect on the field of the body. That, you know, proximity through, f- through the form being present right near that energy vortex that is within the body the chakra system, the energy wheels. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in today's show. But let's take a look at all-seeing-eye symbolism in general. We've gone over this actually uh, many times on the show. The all-seeing-eye is in general the symbol of spiritual awakening. People think that it means the dark occultists at the top of the food chain, the dark illuminists, you know, the Illuminati. Uh, It does mean that in its negative connotation or interpretation because as we will see the Great Seal of the United States is a dual symbol. We have seen this. I've actually broken it down on a previous show. I'll very briefly recap it because the all-seeing eye uh, in the form of the, the reverse of the Great Seal of the United States is depicted here in image number 45 of this slideshow. And you see it is above a pyramid with the capstone missing. A work in progress. In other words, a stone pyramid not completed with 13 courses of brick um, leading up to the all-seeing eye in the sky behind the pyramid, illuminating the scene with light, and the, the phrase Anuit Coeptus above and Novus Ordo Seclorum on the banner below, with a Roman numeral date M-D-C-C-L-X-X-V-I, which is 1776 in Roman numerals. The Ostensible explanation for this symbol, of course, is that the United States was built in 1776. It is a work in progress, and it is uh, aspiring to uh, build up to, you know, uh, to be more like the Creator, more godlike, etc. And people mistranslate the phrase below um, constantly as "New Order of the Ages," which is, of course, does not mean. The phrase we've clearly demonstrated in the past on this show, Novus Ordo Seclorum, does mean new order of the world. New order of the universe, it could mean. It is new world order. And I would suggest that this symbol is representing both the light new world order and the dark new world order. It is a dual symbol and needs to be understood as such from an esoteric perspective and yes this is a Masonic symbol it represents all forms of masonry both light and dark and I'll explain that briefly. Anuit Coeptis means he she or it favors our project or our enterprise or our work that is in progress okay it's a building project so the question becomes who favors it and the answer is it's either the God of creation who favors it or it's the God of destruction who favors it. Okay? Because if we're talking about light masonry, building with light, if we are working toward removing those barriers between the earth or the, and the inhabitants of the earth and the divine essence represented by the all seeing eye, we are taking those bricks down. We are removing barriers. Bricks are barriers, they are weight. Okay? They are hardened. Calcified beliefs that get in our way and hold us back, that block us, they imprison us, they keep the light out, okay? And keep us in our darkness, in our mental bondage. And that's what the bricks represent symbolically. The object is to remove them or transform the bricks into light so that there is no barrier between earth and and the heavens. Okay? In other words, no barrier between being in the world and having higher consciousness. Being in the world but not of it. Understanding the higher self. Understanding the true aspects of the self. So, if we were to build with brick, we would be blocking the light out from the scene. Okay? We would be completing the male dominator pyramid, which is the blade symbol, the upward pointing triangle only. And that would be ultimately obscuring the light, because if you finished this scene, if you finished this pyramid with bricks and built it all the way up to the top, the, the light which is behind that pyramid, okay, would not come down to the earth. It would be blocked. You would not be able to see it from the perspective that you're looking at um, looking from this scene into. So, in image number 46, I've basically put um, an Alex Gray image here that's one of his paintings that shows the chakra wheels, the chakra vortices in the body leading up to the third eye. And the third eye is uh, brightly illuminating the scene and the individual is awakened. He has the illuminated halo around his head. This is what this third eye symbol, this one eye symbol means. It represents the awakened Uh, center of the being through the the heart chakra coming online in conjunction with the balanced brain to awaken the pineal gland and develop true spiritual insight within the individual. Um, This is a great representation of that and that is what that all-seeing eye actually does represent. In the negative interpretation of the symbol, it also does represent the hidden elite that is controlling things from behind the scenes, the so-called elite, the powers that shouldn't be, okay? They see themselves as God, as the divine essence of this world. That's the high and mighty image they have of themselves that have the divine right to rule over people because they think they're better than everyone else, okay? Their intellect makes them the rulers of this world, and they need to be able to rule unchallenged as gods here, as gods on earth. And therefore, they're keeping others in the brick, in the darkness, okay, in the weight of calcified belief systems that they propagate, so that they can continue to hold the powers of God in their hands and, you know, hold that influence over others through mind control. So yes, you could see that symbol as representing the sorcerers of this world, you know, playing God here through manipulation. So image number 47 really shows this dynamic of the light and dark New World Order. This, is a, this symbol is a transitional phase as we talked about. You can go back in the archives and pull the shows where I talked about the all seeing eye symbolism and broke this symbol down extensively. But it's really the world in transition. Okay? And are we going to continue to build with brick, with ignorance? Okay? Creating more blockheads, you could look at it as people who are trapped in their belief systems, in which case we're going to block out the true light of the Creator from this world, and the hidden elite are going to rule from behind the scenes a world of darkness and ignorance. So, That's what this animated GIF image in image number 47 is really all about. For those of you who are following with the PDF document, uh, which is also listed there underneath the uh, slideshow images, you won't see the animation. But you can on the um, slideshow images uh, listed uh, with 148 images. Image number 47 shows this animation. Uh, I complete the pyramid to show you what the scene will look like in darkness. Okay, And that's what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to awaken the all-seeing eye. We're trying to awaken the true center of spiritual vision within each individual. To bring them online to what's really going on, not only around them, but within them themselves. So if we do that, we will build a world that is the light New World Order. Where there is no boundaries. Where there are no bricks weighing us down. Where there is no... Uh, Um, Prison being built all around us represented by those bricks. And again, this is always built in male dominator imbalance because the 13 courses represent the sun and the 12 houses of the zodiac. It's purely solar symbolism. Only if there's extreme left brain imbalance is a dominator society going to be made. And what we're talking about here is withdrawing our support from that dominator culture, and not falling into that state of extreme left brain imbalance through engaging in just intellect without wisdom, you know, without the creative and nurturing aspects of the uh, sacred feminine right brain hemisphere. So, the all-seeing eye really represents the balance between those two hemispheres of the brain, and you know, being able to build a world that is balanced as a result of. Uh, the people in it having a balanced expression of consciousness and that occurs through a balanced brain so the God of creation the, the true God of light favors the new world order if the building project is to remove that pyramid of stone which represents ignorance and imbalance toward the masculine left brain hemisphere of the brain This is represented, this world is represented by the emblem that I created in image number 49, which I call one great work. That's the work that is favored by the God of creation, a world of truth, love, and freedom where there is only light, where that ignorance has been removed, and it doesn't exist in the world anymore. There's no pyramid, there's no prison society, okay? It has been removed, and there's unity consciousness if we look at the opposite the dark God okay the God of destruction and suffering wants perpetual ignorance so it can rule from the shadows as the puppet master that it is this is represented in image number 49 uh, I'm sorry 48 the one right before um, the one great work seal image number 48 shows that uh, the sorcerer always wants to play God and work from behind the scenes, hidden, unseen, and keep other people in his manipulation. And he does that through money. All the money's flowing toward him. He's breathing in the money in this scene. Uh, I don't know who painted this, but whoever it is, uh, they understand. This is a phenomenal image. Um, but we can't see the the all-seeing eye, the one eye symbol, as just representing that dark side. That's one component. But again, you need to see the great seal, the reverse of the great seal as a dual symbol because in fact it is. It is a symbol of the builders, all builders. We are all the builders of our experience collectively. We all bring our contribution to the table to build the world. And as we build it, so shall we experience it. Therefore, uh, if we want to build wisely, we'll build with light. And we'll build with knowledge and wisdom, which is what light represents, which is what that all-seeing eye represents. If we want to build foolishly, we'll build with brick, and we'll block the light out, and we'll stay in ignorance, and we'll build a prison. And we're well on our way toward doing that, folks, as I've said innumerable times. Uh, It's going to take a colossal, gargantuan, Herculean effort of will to turn it around from where we're at right now. Just being honest. But that's the dual symbol that that the uh, reverse of the great seal represents. What we need to understand is what that all-seeing eye ultimately represents in its original, unadulterated form is spiritual wisdom. The, The knowledge of ourselves as spiritual beings and being in the world but not of it. Being truly awakened. It is the symbol of awakening. And that's why they use it in the ways that they do. They're putting it on something that they're giving to you in a, this is talismanic magic. This is ancient manipulation techniques in, in, it's mind control. That's what money is. It's an ancient talismanic mind control technique to give somebody something and tell them, put a symbol on it that really has absolutely nothing to do with the real value of that, you know, um. Uh, talisman that you're handing them and in their mind though when they see the symbol there's this subconscious correlation to the symbology on that talisman and that goes right to the subconscious mind. The subconscious already understands how the all seeing eye symbol has been represented and used and it understands what it truly represents. It's like in our systemic ancestral memory It's encoded within us. This is an archetypal form, this symbol. A triangle with an eye imbued with light. You know, bathing everything around it in light. This is primal. It's a primal archetypal image. The subconscious. We have this already programmed into us at a subconscious level to know what it represents. And when somebody puts it on something... That meaning, that original unadulterated meaning is actually going right to our subconscious mind. If we're not conscious of it, it goes right into the subconscious mind. If we don't have a working conscious understanding of the symbolism. That's why it's so important to become symbol literate. To understand the meanings and interpretations of these symbols throughout the ages. If we don't have that framework for knowledge the subconscious mind is going to interpret it automatically it's going to automatically interpret it. You're not going to interpret it at a conscious level, you're going to interpret it from a subconscious and indeed an unconscious level. And that's what they're doing with money. That's why they put this symbol on the one dollar bill. They're associating it with unity. They're associating it with spiritual awakening. They're associating it with balance most of all. Especially through the color green because uh, green is the middle of the visible spectrum. That's why green is used for money, particularly in the United States, especially in the United States. But money, the word, as we see on image number 50, actually means one eye. It actually, if you, we just break it down, the word money is one, M-O-N, mon, mono. It's the prefix meaning one, and E-Y at the end, i. We just pronounce it money, e, but it's mon i, one i. Okay, phonetically, there is no difference, no variance. The, the mouth is making the same movements. It's basically the same word with a different vowel sound in it. The one i is used on money. This isn't an accident that the word is structured, is patterned after one i, and there's a one i symbol on the actual money, the bill, okay? It's all there to put into your mind that this represents balance of the brain hemispheres. It represents the the center of everything being the color green. It represents the awakening process. It represents um, um, unity consciousness, oneness. That's why it's on the one dollar bill, not on any of the other bills. The all-seeing eye is on the one. There's a reason for all of that. Okay, It's there to basically tell you that this bill, this useless piece of paper that has no value, it's not even worth the paper it's printed on, uh, represents all of those things, and it represents none of those things, zero, none of them, doesn't represent oneness, it doesn't represent spiritual awakening, it doesn't represent balance, it doesn't represent care, it doesn't represent centeredness, none of it, none of those things. It's all a proxy. They're handing you the fake thing and symbolically telling you it's the real thing. That's what it's for. That's what a talisman does. That's what dark talismanic magic is all about. Now I'm not saying there's no good use of talismans. There are. But that this is a dark usage of, tali- of a talisman. Which is what the $1 bill is. And this is people's god. Let's face it. The, the reason we're in this mess as a species... That, that humanity is even in the predicament that it's in is because money is people's God. That's the, the main overarching reason. And they don't want to take personal responsibility for their actions. That goes hand in hand with all of this. You know, if somebody pays me, oh, that, they, they did it. You know, I'm just doing my job. I'm being paid to do this by someone else. So I completely unthinkingly follow orders. That's the dominator mindset. That's the puppet of the dominator mindset. Oh, the one above me is really doing all of this, you know? We talked about trying to get out of personal responsibility, trying to abdicate personal responsibility to someone else, and it can never really be done. But this is, their, this is what they try to argue that can be done, you know? It's just, I'm just doing my job. I'm following orders. And, of course, that holds zero weight. It should never be accepted as a justification for wrongdoing and doing harm to others. And yet there's still people who out there who believe that somehow makes it okay. That you can go into an institution and say, "Well, they're going to command me. I'm not going to exercise any judgment. All my thinking gets turned off and I just act blindly." We're going to talk about acting without thinking or feeling in this presentation because that's a huge part of it. And they—they're mocking people symbolically, as we'll see, based on that very dynamic. How you're an actor without thinking or feeling, and the the dark occultists actually detest that more than anything else. Yes, they are getting people to do those things, but in other words, they—they they have such a loathing for somebody who cares so little about themselves that that's how they would behave. They just look at them as an animal, as a, just a, a less than an animal. A lot of animals don't act like that. You know, they, they look at them as the lowest of the low, the scum of the scum. And in a lot of ways, like I said, I can't really, whole, I can't wholeheartedly disagree with their worldview when it comes to that. I think people who act like that are trash. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You don't want to think for yourself. You don't want to take responsibility for your actions. That is the definition of a bad person. That's what a bad person is, ladies and gentlemen. We should stop trying to get, allow these people off the hook by saying, oh, they didn't know or, or they were just following orders. That's the worst way of being that you could possibly be in the world. That is the definition of a bad person. That's what makes you a bad person is that you're an order follower. The definition of a bad person I mean, in simple terms, is somebody who acts without thinking or feeling. And that's what an order follower is. You just act. You don't, you're not paid to think. You're not paid to feel. You know? You just do. Because I said so and I'm paying you. So, you know, money as this talismanic proxy, occultically, is used as the justification for this immoral behavior of dominators all over the world. And uh, I call it, uh, That's I'm showing a stack of different uh, denominations of money from all over the world in image number 51. And then I overlay it in image number 52 with um, the phrase that this is the most powerful religion of this world. And image number 53, I put Really, what it ultimately is, is it's the God of this world. This is what people worship as God. Money is the ultimate religion. It is the ultimate unchallenged dogmatic belief system that operates worldwide. It is the universal world religion. And I would say right underneath that, neck and neck with it, is the second universal world religion which is authority. The belief in authority. That some people have authority over other people and can command them as masters You know, can command their slaves as masters just because they're who they are. They are in a position of authority. This is also a universal religion. Both money and authority are completely illusory. They're based in illusion. They're based in a deranged imagination. The the abuse of imagination. Okay? The dark usage of a gift that humanity has been given to improve itself and improve its conditions and improve our world. And when we go into the abusive aspects of the imagination, not using it wisely but using it foolishly, we invent things and then start imbuing them with power through our belief and it, it turns into a religion. And that's what money is and that's what authority is. These are religions. And in the true sense of the word, the verb religare in Latin meaning to hold back or to thwart from forward progress. The things that are ultimately thwarting this species from forward progress in consciousness, from forward evolutionary progress, is the religions of money and authority. That's it. Money and government. So money drives it all. It's the god of this world. This is what people have taken as their god. And it. Here's a simple equation, ladies and gentlemen. It can't really get any easier than this. If money is your God, that equals you are a slave and will forever remain a slave. That's it. That's an eternally true equation of the universe. If if money is your God and you worship money as your God, you will forever remain a slave. The end for all time. It is that is what is. That is the truth, and that will never be a different way. And unfortunately, people actually take that deal and say, as long as I have money, I'll be a slave. They love it. They love this condition. They love it. The maj- See, I tell people that, and they get so angry when I say that to people. How could you be so down on people, Mark? How could you say that? You don't give people enough credit. You don't give people a chance. Let me tell you something. If people didn't love it the way that it is, it wouldn't be the way that it is. If people wanted it to be a different way, it would be a different way. More people want it the way that it is than don't want it the way that it is. And you need to come to grips with that. Because if you don't, you don't really understand where your work is. That your work is in helping them to see why the majority, to see why they need to change their mind about that. Their mental attitude is keeping it the way that it is. And ultimately, the reason for that is they like it better that way. Because the thing that they don't want more than anything else. See, they'll say they want freedom, but they don't really want it. Because freedom, with freedom, hand in hand, inseparably, comes true personal responsibility. And that's what people don't want. So they'll, they'll slap freedom, they'll slap the gift of freedom right out of the hand of the creator, if it, because taking it means they have to take the responsibility that goes with it. So they'll slap it away, and yet they'll continue to maintain, oh no, I want freedom. No, you don't. If people wanted freedom, there would be freedom. We get what we want The majority of people, if they want something, that's how it's going to be. That's what's going to manifest. The majority of people do not want freedom. Our task as people who really do understand this dynamic and know how it's being generated through what we care about, through what we quote worship, and we're worshiping the wrong gods. You know, I mean, I I don't claim that say that people need need to worship anything. But we are taking on this god of money as our idol. And, in, and putting all of our adoration behind it. All of our care is directed toward that. And that's why I call it the most powerful God of this world. The influence of the true God of creation is barely to be seen in this world. Through, through the people and their mindset and their attitudes. And their behaviors. It's hardly to be found. But the God of money is to be found everywhere. And people who are listening and being honest with themselves know I'm speaking the exact truth. See, just like in They Live, in the movie They Live, the the phenomenal allegorical movie, which if people haven't seen, I I, I can't believe you haven't seen this movie. It's like one of the greatest cult classics of all time. And if you haven't seen it, you need to immediately check it out by... um, uh, uh, Carpenter is the director, John Carpenter. So um, in it, the hero who is named Nada um, basically finds sunglasses through which he can see the world as it really is. And he puts these glasses on and then he sees subliminals that were always there but he could never actually see before. You know, he puts... he puts a, uh, the glasses on and he sees signs saying, no imagination, don't question authority, you know, marry and reproduce, you know, no questions, things like that. And uh, it's a very interesting allegory about how we need to shut down the mind control. We need to shut down the signal that's always propagating the mind control and telling us what to think and what to believe so that we can see through all of that. To see what the real messages being sent really are. That's what this movie is all about. And it's also about people being puppets to these hidden elites. You know, and just doing their bidding for, you know, a pittance. You know, for a bucket of beans as they say. And how deplorable people like that are. But uh, in the movie he sees um, what money really is about. He puts the sunglasses on, he looks at a gentleman who has a bunch of dollar bills in his hand, and then the hidden subliminal comes through and it says, this is your God. This is uh, images number 54 and 55 in the slideshow. Absolutely true. This is most people's God and that's why we're in a cage. And until the people who really want to be out of the cage and want true freedom, until they understand what their work is in helping people to understand, this is the very dynamic that's enslaving us all. You worshiping that as your God. That's why you're in an eternal prison. Until you change that mental attitude, you're going to be in a prison for a long, long time. And unfortunately, you're chaining the rest of us who don't want to be in a prison in here with you. So, money is the great motivating factor. It's people's God. It's these, it's these, police, these police officers. That's their God. Money and authority are their gods. They don't have any connection with the true higher self. They have no connection with the the great spirit of oneness. None. Many of them don't believe in God at all and are total atheists. And they're also moral relativists. And they're also social Darwinists. All of these poisoned ideologies that are completely... Building the male dominator prison society that we're all going into, and the door is getting slammed shut behind us, locked down tight, and the keys getting thrown away. As long as those are our mindset, if, that, if that's your mindset, that's the prison you're going into. That's just how the the dynamic of cosmic spiritual law works. That's it. And yes, it is knowable that that is how the universe is operating. That you are bound to higher cosmic law, which I've called natural law. But because of the bastardization and perversion of the word natural in modern colloquial English, you can't even say the word natural with images of Charles, without images of Charles Darwin and his idiotic theory being propagated in people's minds. That has now led to social Darwinism, which is a completely insane Ideology based on uh, social stratification pa- that you're patterning after this uh, incorrect notion of natural, the natural order, which has absolutely nothing whatsoever uh, to do with what I call natural law. But yet, yeah, this is the concept that comes up when people hear the word natural. That's how. That's how completely overtaken and. Um, seized the word natural actually is in in language that you know i 've been just calling it cosmic law cosmic spiritual law that 's what natural law is it 's the laws that govern behavioral consequence the laws of consequence that ultimately govern your choices of your actions so you know i 've been even just calling it something different in language to try to uh, deobfuscate that term when I say natural law. So let's move into what I call frequency control and understand how this color green has been used. And when we look at other colors associated with particularly the police, you'll understand how the red and blue are Occult mockeries of them. This is why their lights on their cars here in the United States are um, colored as such, and of course placed right above their heads as well. If we look at the visible spectrum of light, now we're not talking about pigment, not color as in pigment. In other words, like um, you know, a, a, a paint or. Um, a marker or a crayon, something like that. That's pigment color. We're not talking about color pigments. Let's please make that abundantly clear. We are talking about frequencies or wavelengths of light, light energy, not pigment. Okay? Because when we say pigment, we're talking about something different when it comes to uh, blending or mixing together. Light operates differently than pigment. We're looking at the frequencies of light from the low of visible light, light in the visible spectrum, which is a very narrow band. And we're looking at how this spectrum looks when we actually break it down. Take white light, pass it through a prism so it comes out into its constituent elements, its constituent wavelengths, and we can see each of those wavelengths that constitute all of the visible colors of light that we can see with the eye. So the lowest wavelength or the lowest frequencies are the reds, the red colors. So we have red at the very bottom of the visible uh, bandwidth, the visible spectrum as it is known. And then we move upward, we go into the oranges and then the yellows, then the greens, then the blues, then the indigo and violet ultimately lies at the opposite end of this uh, visible spectrum frequency range. So the highest frequencies are what are known as the blue frequencies or the violet frequencies and uh, below the red are really imperceptible to see with the, with the human eye. The frequencies are uh, too low, in other words the wavelengths are too long. So we call that infrared meaning beneath the red and then frequencies that are above the visible spectrum that can't be perceived with the human eye because their frequencies are too short. Uh, um, uh, frequencies are too high, the wavelengths are too short. Um, These are called ultraviolet frequencies, meaning beyond violet. So very simple to understand why infrared means what it does and ultraviolet means what it does. Below the red, can't see with the naked eye. Above the violet, can't see with the naked eye. Ultraviolet means beyond the violet. So this narrow frequency band between red and violet is called the visible spectrum of light. And right in the middle, if you put a line directly into the middle of these frequencies, you will be in the midpoint of the green colors of the spectrum. You will have a very mid-green. Okay, It won't be on the yellowish side of of green-yellow. It won't be toward uh, the blue-greens. It will be perfectly green, the the, the most neutral um, medium-green. That really you can see with the eye. And therefore, that very center point, that focal point, that central hub, right there in the middle, is the center of the visible spectrum of light. You could call that the center of light, period. Green is all about balance, harmony, coming together at the middle Middle ground, okay, and we'll see that in different tradi- traditions, green has been used to represent the center of our self. So, if we look at the uh, Vedic chakra system, the, the energy wheels as they are known, chakras, this is a, a tradition that was taught out of the ancient Indus Valley and it was called the Vedas or simply knowledge, okay. This is wisdom. Um, The frequencies are depicted in this system of energy wheels or energy vortices known as the chakras. They operate at uh, places, at centers of glandular activity within the body, in the middle of the body, not on the right side or the left side, but along the spine, right in the middle, what was known as the tree of life, the, the spinal cord, the center of the being. Okay, so along this spinal column, we have these seven basic uh, energy patterns based around glandular activity within the body. We have the base chakra, which is at the uh, very bottom of the spine. We have the sacral chakra, the sacrum chakra. This is at the uh, uh, area of the genitalia. Okay, Um, we have the solar plexus chakra, which is like right in the middle of the um solar plexus region the stomach area okay uh really a little bit kind of almost higher than the the like belly button it would be between the belly button and where you would put your hand uh if you were pointing at your heart kind of um at the uh area where you know if uh uh someone who had you know was a, a bodybuilder had a six pack it would be right in that six pack region where those muscles uh, are at that 's the solar plexus okay um, it 's kind of like where a singer truly breathes from you know they breathe from the diaphragm right below the diaphragm that 's the solar plexus that 's uh the the um, will center of the body these three lower chakras represent basically base instincts and desires um, sexual uh, energies and uh, the desire to um, basically uh, begin any given uh, enterprise or set of work, and then the will to actually put that into practice the hi- the highest of these three bottom chakras being the solar plexus chakra that 's the center of will and courage, or in other words that 's guts that 's why it 's at the uh, place that you know we call guts in the body you know right where all of the um, uh, <coughs> entrails would be so uh, above that is the heart chakra which is the middle of these seven chakras we'll get to that in a minute let's talk about the higher chakras the throat chakra of course at the region of the throat is the speech center and it's the place where we begin going up into the higher uh, chakra centers which is the uh, realm of compassion uh, the brow chakra of course associated with knowledge with knowing with understanding. This is the third eye chakra. And then above that you have the crown chakra, chakra which represents unity consciousness. So we we're now in the blue frequencies. We're in the um, blue indigo and violet area. So the crown chakra represents total union. It represents cosmic consciousness. All right? uh, Non-duality. Total non-duality. The heart chakra is the central fulcrum, once again. It's the focal point. It's the middle of all of these, and of course you see it's the color green. So we started with the lower frequencies, red, orange, and yellow. The higher frequencies were blue, indigo, and violet, but at the very middle is the heart chakra. Okay, And this is colored green in this uh, system of knowledge which represents self-knowledge. That's what the chakras are ultimately all about. They're there to teach you about this is a system designed to teach people about uh, aspects of themselves. And the heart is placed at the center because one, it's the center of the physical body. It's right in the middle of the torso. Okay, And this is the, the prime generator of our experience. What we care about is what ultimately manifests itself. If we don't have care, true care... We're not going to manifest anything that's good for us, we're not going to manifest order, we're not going to manifest what we really want, we're going to manifest something quite different from what we really want and it's going to generate a lot of self-inflicted suffering if we don't truly develop this center of the self. I show this a little bit better in the next image, in image number 58 because This is showing you the uh, locations of these chakras on the body and their associated frequencies of light along with the uh, original names for them in the uh, Vedic tradition. So the Anahata chakra is the heart chakra and this is what we're really talking about as being the center of the self. Yes, the all-seeing eye is a symbol of centeredness and a symbol of awakening, but that really doesn't come online ultimately until we've... Made a connection with the heart chakra with true care. So the green six petaled star, you can see they're forming the heart chakra, and that's an ancient symbol known as the Seal of Solomon, once again depicted in the Anahata chakra. It's the chalice and the blade united. In other words, the sacred feminine coming together with the male, uh, the masculine blade, the feminine chalice. Being the inverted equilateral triangle piece of the star coming together united with the upward pointing pyramidal shaped uh, masculine uh, symbol known as the blade. So the chalice and the blade uniting form the seal of Solomon. You have the masculine blade and the feminine chalice, the cup. Uh, Very powerful symbolism. And understanding the esoteric side of it is even more powerful because ultimately this symbolizes the six petaled lotus flower known as the Anahata Chakra in the Vedic tradition. So, the heart is the center of the self. That's where true balance is ultimately born. Yes, balance has to be created in the brain, but if it's, it doesn't have a connection with the heart chakra, the energetic connection to the heart, it's all going to be for naught. So. That's ultimately what humanity's goal really needs to be. Is to awaken this center of self within them. And um, image number 59 just shows that uniting of the um, chalice and blade symbols. With the green um, heart chakra. And it shows that uh, seal of Solomon. The sun and the moon come together. So green is the center of the self. But it's also the center of nature it 's really the center of everything we see around us on our planet that is unadulterated with um, you know our forms of technology and building. Green is everywhere on earth if you 're on the land, the color that you 're going to see if you 're in nature is green. Green is provided for us. The best things to eat are green. dark green, leafy vegetables have all of the uh, components that the body needs for. Uh, building and health for replenishing itself. You know, I talked about the power of green juicing in in the diet, adding that to the diet because you're getting the green uh, micronutrients that comes from the plant kingdom, and then you're getting it in its uh, form that is most easily absorbable through the distilled liquid that's in the plant system, the the the, com- the water coming up. From the earth into the plant's root system and being distilled through that process. And then when you juice that, you're taking that in and it's readily absorbed by the body. So it's high energy and uh, high absorption. And it's easy to break down because it requires hardly anything to break down because it's already in liquid form. Green is the power of nature. It represents the color of balance. When nature's in balance, you're going to see green. When we've poisoned it and thrown it out of balance, you're not going to see a whole lot of green. So we have to understand that this color is the symbol of the actual spirit of the earth. The living energetic system in which we live and are a part of and can't really be separated from. We're part of the entire earth system and not separate from it. It's here to provide for us freely energy coming in from the sun gets converted through the process of photosynthesis into the fo- the energy that we need to take into our body through our food. And when we do that, we're, we are in a greater form of balance. The brain is comprised of what we take in through nature ultimately. If we make smart choices in that regard, the brain is going to be balanced. And I'm going to be doing a whole another show on... Uh, Connected with the idea of the non-support of domination in general uh, on carnism. That's going to be coming up after I finish the um, occult mockery of police and military section. And then I'm going to have one more section after that coming up on what on earth is happening. I'm going to have a show, probably one show, maybe a second, but it'll probably I'll probably be able to do it in one show. It's going to be on the role that women can play, the, in, the great level of importance and influence that women have when it comes to helping to discontinue uh, the support of the dominator world, the support of the dominator culture. Women have such power in this regard to make this happen that they don't even know how much power they have in that regard. And they need to step into that position of power. They need to step into that position of a positive influence to um, speak to some of the men uh, in their lives who are really on the wrong path and help them to come out of that uh, horrible dominator mindset. So I'll be doing a whole show on that and that'll be the last part of the section on non-supportive dominators and then we'll do two whole call-in shows just on that topic. We'll be able to even do that uh, ad-free now and have two complete ad-free call-in shows uh, on this uh, entire section. In, se- in several weeks. So, um, going back to how this green color is really used is the, when we look at the um, manifestations of consciousness, the uh, aspects of consciousness, thought, emotion, and action, and then how they have physiological expressions in the body through the brain, we saw, of course, the left brain hemisphere is the masculine side, solar, or uh, We could associate that with the masculine symbol of the blade, but also the red frequencies are associated with that side of the brain because um, the red frequencies are all about physical world identification. They're all about um, paying attention, concentration, alert, being on alert. This is associated with waking consciousness. So the red frequencies have always been associated with the left brain. They're ascribed to left brain, um, um, I guess, uh, manifestations or uh, modalities is the word word I was looking for. The right brain modalities are always associated with the blue frequencies. So the, the color blue is associated with right brain modality we have the creative and imaginative side of the brain when we're talking about the right brain hemisphere. Now, we're not talking about, again, pigments of light. We're talking about color frequencies. The reason blues are given to the right brain is because this is the more open side of the mind. This is the, kind, the, kind, the part of the mind that takes in everything and doesn't filter it like the left brain does. This is the part that is uh, open and absorptive, I guess you could say. It is... Um, Uh, It's passive in a way that it receives everything. Whereas the, the left brain outputs things through a filtration system, which is called logic. But the right brain is extremely important in this regard because it acts as a gathering mechanism. When we're first taking in any information, we have to have this part of the brain active, functioning properly, and open to all possibilities. And that's when it's operating properly That's how it's going to pass information, holistically taken in information so that all sides of it can be seen into the left brain for the filtration process of um, moving it into the level of understanding, being able to process it and break it down analytically so that it can be properly understood. That's why this um, uh, parallel processing unit known as the right brain is so critically important to have working properly. So this... Um, receptive quality has always been associated with the color blue. So blues represent a taking in, or a um, uh, an open mindedness. If you're going to, you know, want somebody to be um, paying attention in the form of, uh, you want them to accept something. You want them to at least entertain it, even if they don't uh, completely accept it or believe it. Even if you're not asking them to believe in it, you want them to hear it with an open mind blue is an excellent color to employ because it's saying to the brain open take this hear this see this I use the color blue deliberately in that regard not because I'm trying to get people to immediately accept or believe what I'm saying but because I want them to hear it with an open mind that's not an accident I also use the color green in uh, the color from my site because uh, that's associated with that color of balance But blue is the biggest color I would say that I employ through uh, the What on Earth is Happening site and also uh, the Free Your Mind site because uh, it's all about helping people to be receptive enough to take the information in without prejudging it first. Then they can uh, pass it to the logical aspect of the, the mind and engage the filtration system to take what they want to take and leave the rest. But the feminine side of the brain associated with the color blue and with The lunar principle, the moon. So we have the sun and the moon, again the temple of Solomon which is the whole brain. And the masculine symbol of the blade I show here in red on image number 61. And the feminine symbol of the chalice shown in blue associated with the right brain. Uh, This is on slide number uh, 61. With all the different modalities of uh, thought uh, form that each one of the brain hemispheres make possible. Blending them together, in other words, using both brain hemispheres holistically, not one being dominant over the other, represents the coming together of these light frequencies, not pigment, but light frequencies. In other words, it is joining the left and the right, the marriage between the masculine and feminine, the alchemical wedding as it has been called, coming together to form the, balanced, the holistically balanced brain which is what real intelligence is all about. It's not just intellect which is a left brain principle, it's not just intuition which is a right brain one but it's the merging of those two modalities coming together to form holistic intelligence. This I symbolize by the green seal of Solomon the six pointed star of the chalice and blade united and coming together in the middle of the frequencies of light which is the green color of the visible spectrum, which represents balance. So the center of consciousness, the center point or balance point of consciousness is also represented as green. The reason that money is colored in this capacity is again to project through proxy, through this talisman, that form of balance that we're talking about, that uh, idea of balance and centered ness in consciousness and also representing something that is good for everyone in the form of it's natural you know this is nature is providing it because we you know we're coloring it the same color as a uh, uh, nature colors everything that's really good for you um we're putting the all-seeing eye on it to also represent spiritual insight and wisdom and balance and ultimately as we've said, none of that is true. It's all proxy. It's all there to convince people in um, the subconscious that the that's what this monetary symbol, uh, that's what this monetary bill actually means for them, actually represents in their life. When in fact, it represents none of that. But we see this um, splitting uh toward red and blue in other aspects of our life because ultimately that's what they want to do that's what money what money really does is keep us imbalanced in the brain it keeps us uh chronically in a state of either left brain or right brain imbalance more likely money will push people toward a form of left brain imbalance so if we uh look at the political parties we also see this breakdown between red and blue with red always being ascribed to the Republican Party here in the United States, and blue always being um, associated with the Democratic Party. So you have a red elephant and a blue donkey. There you see five-pointed stars placed on both of them as well, again representing sovereignty and higher consciousness and self-ownership, uh, none of which you're going to attain by going into one of these political parties or uh, even uh, you know uh, supporting them because they're n- about... No such thing as freedom or sovereignty or self ownership or higher consciousness. They're about owning you, ultimately. And they do that through this system of dialectics called politics, which um, I almost have an impossible time even fathoming that there could be anyone alive today that is still naive enough to believe in this crap. Uh, like I said, uh, whenever I meet somebody who still believes in politics, I only ask them one question How old are you? Uh, And do you believe in professional wrestling, too, that the outcomes aren't fixed there, too? Okay, yeah, you can say, yeah, the body slams are all real and the damage to the body is real. But uh, uh, you really believe that the outcome wasn't fixed and these guys aren't going out for a beer after the the show that they're putting on for people? And that's the same thing. This is a puppet show. Politics has always been a puppet show. Uh, Anyone who believes in it is a naive child. Period. Um... You can, you know, say that's an ad hominem attack, or I'm just, you know, uh, saying that without supporting it. I think I've given enough abundant evidence to support that o- over the course of this show, and uh, uh, you can take it as an insult if, if you want and uh, get as upset about it as you like. But uh, if you believe in the political process, you're a naive child. Period. You know, and grow up. And that's really all I can say about that. You know, Here's the two skull and bones members of the Order of Death, uh, Carrie and Bush, you know, in the 2004 election, laughing it up because you know, you're going to get a bonesman either way no matter who go- goes in. You know, and as they say, no matter who gets elected, the government always gets in. Uh, that's what it all really comes down to. But the ultimate thing I'm trying to portray here in this image is the uh, dialectic between choosing these two puppets – you know, you're always going to get smacked by whichever hand you choose, you know, because they're connected to the same body. And they're mocking people, again, symbolically through this color scheme, this playing off of red and blue. The, these are the two extreme aspects of the visible spectrum. They're not in the middle. They're not in a place of balance that leads to awakening. They're in the extremity, left brain and right brain, you know. And I would say that's really—it's very funny. Even the colors they give—that's I would say the more left-brain people are probably the Republicans, and the more right-brain people are the Democrats. And that generally holds true. That's a generalization. Okay, it's not a blanket statement by any stretch of the imagination. Please don't take it as such. But in general, you could look at that as a a, a generalization that uh, Republicans generally are, as a whole, as a group more left-brain oriented and Democrats are more right-brain oriented. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason they ascribe these colors and the the ways that they're pushing people into these levels of imbalance. It's not accidental. But to see how this is put on um, police cars and used to symbolically mock them, I would also say it really represents symbolic mockery of the people who uh, think that these people are necessary or to call them to solve their problems for them. You know, it represents a failure of the will to behave and uh, and engage with others in a civilized manner when, uh, you know, these dominators are called out to handle people's problems for them. And they never handle it. You know, they always show up after the fact anyway. You know, what, what cop has ever really stopped something bad from happening? No, they show up afterward. They're not about education. They're about taking someone who's already done something harmful to someone else. A lot of good that does, right? And then what you're doing is you're removing the problem from the general population so that the population can say, well, that problem's gone. They've been removed. We don't need to do anything to educate our young so that they don't keep a- acting like this and, and, and grow up to, to manifest these types of behaviors. Oh, no, well, they'll just get removed and we won't be able to see them. They'll ju- we'll just be paying for them for the rest of their existence rotting away in a prison cell, which isn't reforming them at all. It's just teaching them how to be a career criminal anyway, you know, if they ever get out. And, uh, you know, we'll go back to our ignorant ways and uh, keep asking people, keep asking male dominators to come and take people who are problems for us away from us so we don't actually have to take responsibility for why they acted that way to begin with. That, that's what this whole system's all about. Now, I've said before, I've said a very extreme radical thing. Let's just let all of the violent prisoners out of their cages. That's what I want to see happen, and I'm not kidding. I'd say do away with all jails. Let all of those people right back into the communities where they grew up, where they came from, and let the people have to deal with them. You'll see how fast people will begin to start understanding that you need to educate people when they're young and make the education stick. It can't be this outcome-based education system. You need to really teach true critical thinking skills, but most of all, you need to teach... People about themselves, about consciousness, and about the right way of being in the world. Because you need to teach the definitive knowledge of right versus wrong. And that's the problem is we're not teaching that to our young. And the problem is most people don't know it themselves. They're already grown up not knowing that, quote unquote grown up. And then they're, it's the blind leading the blind. You know, the ignorant teaching the ignorant. Let me know how that works out for you. Going back to how this um, frequency control through light is used on the police. You see above the police car image in image number 64, the red and blue light right above their head where they sit in the car, right toward the front seat of the car, right up above them. There's that frequency, red and blue, red and blue, but not green, nothing in the middle. It's the two extremities of light that say... Watch out, pay attention, and then take this, listen, don't, you know, take this without really thinking about it or processing it too much. And that's why these two frequencies of light are used. That's what not only what the police want you to do, to obey, pay attention initially and then obey, but that's what they're doing to their masters. You know, they're in a, that left brain, right, um, uh, that left brain um uh, red light mode of the uh, left brain hemisphere. And they're also bowing down to their masters who are above them. And that's why they're in the blue frequency. So they're in both forms of brain imbalance because they have wholly given of themselves to the idea that there is authority. And that there is a master above and a slave below. Their master above is anybody above them in their hierarchy of control of male dominator control and their slaves below or anybody that they're told by their masters above them that they can boss around and that they have to obey them and listen to them unquestioningly you know it's to a point in this country where we're gonna be just like it was in Stalinist Russia we're gonna be just like it was in Nazi Germany where if you disobeyed somebody who was in one of the secret police forces they'll just shoot you on sight because you have to obey their orders or die that's what we're going to get to. We're going to get right to that point, ladies and gentlemen. We're already seeing it. I think uh, something was breaking out in a breaking story happening in Anaheim, California, earlier today, where uh, uh, people try to challenge the actions of a police officer. Oh, God forbid you don't challenge the God men, you know, who are your unquestioned masters. And uh, they literally started opening fire on some of these people. And You know, and I see this as the beginning of. You know, th- th- this is, this is uh, how the uh, the prelude to the battles of Lexington and Concord took place. I tell people, you want to know what year it is, it, forget 2012. Uh, the year is 1775, ladies and gentlemen, because we're, we're seeing history repeat itself all over again. The question is, what's going to be the outcome this time? But um, it's an extremely dangerous precedent that's being set. And it's because of the mindset that these people operate in. That there is authority. That's their religion. Their religion is money and authority. And they just um, you know, believe in the concept that there's people I take orders from and there's people I give orders to. And that's it. It's the chain of obedience. Not the chain of command. Chain of command is meaningless. It's the chain of obedience. They obey and then someone must obey me. True freedom entails getting out of all of that. Where there's no master above you and there's no slave below you. you know. And Michael Tessarion always talks about that. He, he uses that phrase. The hard part about it is being no slave below. Because people still want to maintain control over something. Because they don't have total control over themselves. In their lives. So. That's one of the things that. Um, people have to understand is that real freedom doesn't isn't just about having no masters, it's about having no slaves either. And unfortunately, these people are the most trapped in that because they're imbalanced toward both brain hemispheres uh, as shown in image number 65. They're imbalanced toward the left brain hemisphere because they believe that they're masters of other people and they're imbalanced toward the right brain hemisphere because they unquestioningly follow orders and believe that they have uh, basically masters who command them and give them orders and they don't question those orders even if they're you know not in harmony with cosmic spiritual law. So uh, image number 64 and 65 really uh, go a long way toward showing how this frequency uh, through light operates on police and is a symbolic form of mockery on every police car here in the United States. Yes I understand there's some other colors in other countries but here these are the colors used by the police. And this is where the satanic uh, New World Order system is set up the most strongly, believe me. Yeah, there may be uh, some external uh, pla- places externally in the five cents that are worse off than living in the United States. But as far as mind control goes, y- you're at the pinnacle of it, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you're living here in the U.S. The boys in blue, as they're called, uh, another form of r- ritualistic mockery, you know putting them in their blue shirts because blue is the frequency of basically operating in right brain imbalance and they want other people to be subservient to them through that, through seeing that color. You know, so that's you know a dual form of this mockery. They're wearing it showing that they're in subservience to their owners above them and then people who in, encounter them and interact with them are seeing that color blue and therefore they're going into that right brain uh, subservient mode. So, um, the whole concept of the Blue Lodge, where you see the Fraternal Order of Police uh, operating, it's one of the uh, um, affiliate organizations with Freemasonry and the uh, Masonic hierarchy in general. You see um, these first three degrees called the Blue Lodge system, degrees 1, 2, and 3, uh, Entered Apprentice, Fellow Craft, and Master Mason. Uh, most police never go beyond those degree systems, which are very low in their knowledge, but uh, have often the most people uh, numbers wise engaged in them in the lodge system and Again, this is what is called porch masonry uh, the the portico of the temple okay they 're not really in the temple they 're on the porch they 're on the outside. You can see that 's even depicted as the first three. Degrees here in this pyramid system depicted almost as a porch where people are standing out in front of it, but they're not at the apex. They're certainly not inside or or at the apex of that uh, hierarchical structure. Um, I have a problem with the whole Lodge system of Freemasonry in general. I've talked extensively about esoteric Masonry and how I am an initiate of that tradition, but not Lodge Masonry, which uh, seeks to stratify and... uh, Uh, create hierarchy and compartmentalization, which I don't think Freemasonry in its true original intent and its original tradition was ever intended to be. It was intended indeed to be an allegorical and uh, uh, a system of allegory and ritual to truly convey concepts of self-ownership, sovereignty, and uh, morality. Unfortunately, it has greatly fallen from that in our modern world and descended into an old boys' club uh, of uh, a I'll slap your back, uh, you know. You slap mine. I'll, 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 you know, we'll we'll shake hands behind the scenes and you know help each other's businesses or you know engage in some networking here uh, because we're brothers in the same fraternity, uh, and that's not what Freemasonry was really originally intended as. But uh, to go back to how this Blue Lodge system is uh, employed is. They're porch masons in fr- the fraternal order of police. Most police officers don't really understand if they get involved in Freemasonry at all, what it really is at all. They have no idea what it is. They never learn about what real, true, esoteric Freemasonry is. Certainly in the uh, very low degrees of the lodge system, they're not going to receive that knowledge. And um, they, th- that's where this term third degree is coming from. You know, being given the third degree. It's a dominator mindset. And I would suggest that that's connected with the origins of these first three degrees being known as the Blue Lodge. And again, that's also, I would suggest, is connected with them being called Boys in Blue, not just because they're uniform, but because they are Blue Lodge initiates, uh, the first three degrees of uh, the uh, Scottish Rite. So, um, let's look at some Masonic symbolism as it relates to police and military regalia. Specifically, um, police uniforms often use a lot of Masonic symbolism. In order to understand this, we're, we'll look at image number 69, which is the first degree uh, tracing board of Freemasonry. And we've broken down this symbol on the shows on Freemasonry extensively. You can go back into the archives and uh, check out those shows. So, very briefly, this first degree tracing board really gives you everything you need to know about the ancient mystery traditions all in one symbol. It's, it's a book. This is a, you're being presented with a book. It itself, I would say, and have said claim that it is a subtle form of occult mockery, kind of uh, poking a little bit of jest at the very first degree initiate, the entered apprentice initiate. Because you're handing them a volume in symbolism that you know they can't interpret in other words it would be like um, a first grader coming into school on the first day of school and you hand them a book about um, uh, you hand them a book on calculus or you hand them a book that a, uh, would be have the knowledge of college level physics in it and say here you go there, there you are you know, or you hand them a book of very intricately researched world history, and they're a first grader. Well, they're not going to be able to make any use of that. They're not going to be able to even understand what you handed them. And it's the same thing with a symbol, a complex sigil such as this, uh, as the first degree tracing board. So many prerequisite, uh, so much prerequisite understanding is required in order to decode a symbol like this that uh, that entered apprentice initiate has none of that knowledge. So it's like you're handing them the finished product when they haven't even learned the ABC's. And uh, That I would suggest is a subtle form of occult. Uh, uh, it's an occult jab at the person saying uh, this is how much you don't know yet. You know, this is how much in darkness you still remain. But uh, to very briefly recap the breakdown of this uh, very complex symbol. It represents the temple of Solomon, or in other words, the human brain, and I would also suggest the heart in conjunction with the human brain. This is the temple of the self, let's put it that way. It's really the entire self, and we have the two pillars up front representing the world of duality, the sun and the moon, light and dark. The floor of the house, the checkerboard floor, also represents that duality. It's light and dark. Okay. And it is indicative of a game, the game of chess, which is a game of strategy, and a game of mastery. So this tracing board ultimately represents self-mastery, what you need to do to attain self-mastery, and to attain unity consciousness, which is represented by that third pillar in the background with a W at its base. So the pillar on the left is the Joaquin pillar, the light pillar, leading to the sun with an S at its base that S represents strength stands for strength and it has a level at the bottom of it which represents uh, knowledge helping us to, to level ourselves to help uh, come to a place of balance we can't really do that without the left brain uh, at our command the right pillar is the pillar of Boaz the dark pillar leading to the moon And at its base, it has a B, which um, symbolizes beauty. And this is the right brain principle. And you have at the base, you have the plum, which symbolizes uprightness and morality. uh, And basically uh, guiding our actions upward. It's um, the, the measure of the level of whether something is truly upright. At a perpendicular. So, um, this aspect represents compassion. We need to put both of these together. We need to have the left brain aspects of logic and um, knowledge placed together with the emotions and compassion and um, the intuition of the right brain if we're going to make the climb out of base consciousness toward unity consciousness, and ultimately toward the light. And that middle pillar with the W at the base represents the pillar of wisdom. So strength, beauty, and wisdom. Some would call it the pillar of will. You see at its base is the upright square, not the inverted square, which represents ignorance, which represents um, being on the floor of the house, which represents... um, Base consciousness, but it's upright, which means you, you're achieving self mastery through this climb out of the material identified world and the, the world where you don't really understand light from dark, where you're trapped on that game board floor, the checkerboard floor, and um, you're making that climb up the ladder, which is known as Jacob's ladder. And this, sometimes this middle pillar is just simply referred to as Jacob's ladder. You encounter the three initiates on the way up the ladder and I would suggest that represents uh, thought, emotion, and action. Thought helps you uh, initially get off of that game board floor. You're being initiated up into knowledge, taken above uh, to a higher level of understanding. But care is in the middle. It represented Here we go with the color green. The green initiate represents the heart right in the middle of the self. That's why it's on the middle of the ladder and that's what truly um, grants us access to the higher levels of consciousness is care and it has a key dangling on a string. The key represents that care that is dangling by a thread. People of the world are trapped in apathy and therefore care is in a precarious position dangling by a thread but that key is the key to the stargate It's the key toward the true light of the sun okay, and the all-seeing eye because the middle pillar is on the all-seeing eye. It's saying that the way through to the all-seeing eye is through the sun. So this is also a symbol that represents esoteric Christian ideal of the way to the Father represented by the all-seeing eye. In other words, the God of creation is through the sun being in the world but not of it cosmic spiritual awakening, or in other words, Christ consciousness. So that top level initiate represents true wisdom because it's putting what it knows and cares about into action, which is the male principle. So you have thought there at the bottom, care or emotion in the middle, and then action at the top, which is converting what we know and care about into action. And that's what grants access ultimately to the all-seeing eye to the eye on pillar, the ionic pillar. Again, more green language, eye on. The all-seeing eye being on or awakened is in the ionic pillar, which is the middle pillar. The left-hand pillar is a Doric pillar, and the right-hand pillar is a Corinthian pillar. So Doric, Ionic, and Corinthian pillars. Um, The two ashlars at the bottom, the, the cubes there, being worked upon, one represents the imperfect ashlar, and the other represents the imperfect. Uh, I'm sorry, the imperfect, and the other represents the perfect. And this represents that we have only a certain amount of time to go through life, and then the game board kind of you know ends there. Uh, and we need to use our time wisely to help make ourselves as good of people as we can be, to help uh, perfect ourselves to the extent that we can, and uh, not. Um, Just stay, quote, rough around the edges, represented by the imperfect Ashlar. Um, The perfect Ashlar would represent someone who has worked truly upon themselves through their life and done their work. So there's so much more to this symbol. Again, you have the the three religions encoded into it, Christianity being the symbol of the sun, Islam being uh, symbolized by the moon, and then Judaism uh, symbolized by the uh, all-seeing eye, the stars and planets. Um, that are hot, that are farther out into space. We talked about that astrotheological symbolism uh, when we talked about astro theology earlier on in the podcasts. it's also all about travel. This is about traveling in consciousness. It's about evolving in consciousness, not staying where you are, movement. and it's movement toward the sun, toward the light, toward all of the lights of the heavens. And that's why the uh, upward direction is east. And if you're traveling toward the sun, you're traveling east. If you're traveling uh, away from the light, that would be westward travel, and that's away from the temple. That's not going within into the temple of self. That is going without, which is uh, not a place that we're going to find uh, answers and solutions to our problems. We need to travel east. So that's a good setup for how this symbolism is often used when it comes to ritual mockery of police. Because we'll see this uh, checkerboard floor and all seeing eye symbolism repeated when it comes to uh, police mockery, occult police mockery. We're going to specifically see that checkerboard floor uh, used many times. And that checkerboard floor represents uh, existing in base consciousness, not knowing the difference between right and wrong ultimately, certainly not choosing the difference between right and wrong, not choosing the right over the wrong, it represents man's checkered life. Okay, being a wanderer in the wasteland of ignorance—that's what that uh, bottom level represents. Okay, that's what we have to understand about the checkered floor. It represents ignorance and being used as a pawn. Okay, we can be manipulated as a pawn by the masters of the game of chess. If we don't understand ourselves enough uh, to rise up, up above that floor, where we can actually become a full participant in that, quote, game of life. Okay? It's not really a game. That's an allegory. But the whole idea here is that the chess master is above the floor of the house. He's not on the floor of the house where he's a pawn to be positioned as the master of the game wills to position him. He's actually making his own moves. Okay? He has mastered himself. That's why the the chess symbolism is used. So, if we go to um, image number 70, we will see that, uh, of course, this uh, allegorical system of Freemasonry is actually connected very deeply with an older tradition of Kabbalah. The Kabbalistic tradition is one of the places that uh, esoteric Freemasonry uh, grew out of and was derived from. And To attempt to study one is really to study the other. Um, The lessons, allegorically, symbolically, will all correspond to each other, as we have seen. We looked into the tradition of Kabbalah. I won't completely reiterate all of that. You can go back and check that out in the podcast archive as well at com uh, slash podcast. Um, Or just click the podcast tab at whatonearthishappening.com. But um, we need to understand that these three pillars are representative of the three paths of the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. As we said, this is all about the Tree of Life within us, the, the journey upward in consciousness from the base consciousness to the crown, to the cosmic consciousness, represented by the chakra system, the seven uh, chakras represented here by the Tree of Life. Just collapse it into the middle point, collapse the two outer paths into the central path, and you have the seven chakras of the body on the middle pillar. But ultimately, these three uh, pillars, um, the two representing uh, duality that needs to be synthesized or blended together to create that unity consciousness by which we are granted access to the ladder to climb to a higher level of of awareness. The same thing in Kabbalah. You have the the left-hand path, which is the path of severity, the right-hand path, which is the path of mercy that need to be synthesized so that one can progress up the middle pillar or the path of mildness. It's the same tradition, just different symbolism. It's the same basic understanding about the qualities that exist within all of us, that exist within each one of us. So, these are traditions to understand the self in their original, untainted, uh, unadulterated forms. Can they be perverted? Yes. Have they been perverted? Yes. Is there still a true esoteric tradition with the true original intent intact in the world? Yes. And that's why people need to really research these from the real perspective, the true original intent perspective of these ancient mystery traditions because they can give some of the most profound understandings and insights into the human psyche that are even possible when we study true Freemasonry, esoteric Freemasonry and true Uh, the true Kabbalistic tradition. And we've looked into these traditions extensively on the past, so that's all I'll really uh, say on that. I want to get back to looking at how these are employed when it comes to police symbolism. Again, uh, the left-hand pillar in image number 71 represents the uh, masculine solar left brain hemisphere. Uh, Of course, it's depicted by the sun there right in the image. And the lunar pillar represents the feminine lunar Right brain hemisphere, depicted by the moon. So it's it's very the correspondences are almost blatant once you understand a little bit about how the brain hemispheres have been uh, correlated or corresponded to these different um, alchemical symbols and these different uh, astrotheological symbols. Then you look at a symbol like that and it almost uh, smacks you in the face. Unfortunately, the people who uh, meant much of this symbolism is being used against have no understanding of any of these traditions and have never studied them day one in their life. You know, have not, not even studied them for a, a, a microsecond. So, what we're talking about this image representing is the Temple of Solomon, as we've said. And uh, Solomon breaks down to sun and moon. Because it's all about the left brain, solar Aspects of the self and the right brain lunar aspects of the self, okay? Image number 73, here we go, shows where this symbolism is used on the police and their uniforms and specifically where it is used on their body, which I said earlier in the show tonight is very significant. The checkerboard floor of the house, um, again, represents base consciousness, not truly knowing the difference between right and wrong, being a pawn in someone else's game, not being a master of self, but being owned by someone else. That's what that represents in Freemasonry. And what are they doing? They're taking this checkerboard pattern and they're wrapping it around the human brain. It's, directly, it's, it's a crown around the outside of the brain put placed on these hats of these police in this capacity, as you see in the images on image number 73. I mean this is about as contemptuous as I think it can get. You're putting the checkerboard floor literally around the temple of Solomon on the individual, right around the temple, you know, where the brain is at in the temple And just completely telling the person, you have no idea at all what you're a part of. You have no idea who owns you. I mean, it's dark occultic mockery at its, uh, uh, you know, I hesitate to use the word finest, but probably at its most uh, uh, ruthless. So... There you see it combined with the inverted pentagram and in uh, the uh, and the Victoria Police's emblem on the bottom there, bottom right, and in the top right you see it on an English uh, police officer's helmet. I believe it's a pl- English, um, and you see the um, that could be Victorian police as well. I'm not quite sure, but uh, it's definitely um, either European or or Australian, and. You see the double square, which we're going to get into uh, in a little bit. Actually, I'll probably get into it a little bit today and we'll continue the hypercube symbolism next week. But um, I think this clearly shows the dark occultist's disdain for these individuals. And these symbols, again, I mean, if you think all of this keeps adding up to coincidence, I feel horribly sad for you because... Uh, If your mind can do that kind of mental gymnastics to think that all of this is with the explanation of the symbols that are spot on. And I'm not telling you that I think that's what these symbols represent. I definitively know what they represent from being involved with these different occult traditions. They do represent what I'm telling you they represent. You can go and verify it in your own research. Um, For people to think that... uh, An inverted five-pointed pentagram uh, coming together with the checkerboard floor of the house right on a police officer's brain, right around their brain, is accidental. And that's just uh, random stuff coming together. Um, The level of mental gymnastics you have to do to get from (laughs) there to here, um, I I feel sorry if you're that naive. Uh, That's all I'll say. Let's jump to the next piece of symbolism, which is the hypercube, or also known as the tesseract. I think I did practically an entire show about the tesseract. and um, The tesseract is one of the deepest occulted symbols. You're not going to find too much in the way of overt explanations of what the tesseract represents, because... I would suggest it's one of the darkest occult symbols in all of dark occultism. If not, it represents the symbol of darkness and mind control and perversion and the destruction of spirit and the imprisonment of the spirit. Um, High level initiates into dark occult traditions often have really taken on a deep understanding of this symbol. I really didn't get a full understanding of this symbol until even after I left uh, the satanic hierarchy, a- after my awakening process begun. I saw it used and employed, and I know people who referred to it, but my understanding of it didn't even evolve until kind of when I was beginning my wake-up process and I was understanding how it was being used when I saw it employed, even when I was in the dark occult. So, we need to understand that this is a symbol of a prison. Okay, this is a symbol of how a dark occultist sees the world in their poisoned, dark worldview. We can better understand this when it comes to looking at Dimensions or densities. And again, I wouldn't say that this is really how the dimensions of our world operate, but it's a rudimentary and simplistic way of looking at it. If we imagine a point as having no dimension and a line as having, you know one dimension being able to just move backward and forward, and then a, a plane being able to move in x y coordinate system as being two-dimensional, and then we extrude that plane. So you know each one of these um, is an extrusion of the one before. So if you extrude a line, meaning uh, a point, meaning pull, you pull the point down through one dimension. You get a line. Then you take that line and you pull it, you know, sideways. So it you know forms a plane. And then you take that plane and you pull it, you extrude it, so that it forms a cube or a three-dimensional space. Then if you pulled that cube, it would form a four-dimensional space, which is very difficult to envision because we don't live in a four-dimensional reality. We live in a three-dimensional reality. But the 4D hypercube is the extrusion of a 3D cube. And what you're seeing here in image number 75 is a um, representation of a projection or an extrusion of a 3D cube as a 4D hypercube. So this would be a 2D projection of a 4D object. That's what you're looking at there in image number 75 on the right-hand side. 70, image number 76 uh, does a good job at explaining what the hypercube would look like because it is the rotation in all dimensions of a 3D cube. So you're actually rotating the cube outward. Uh, in other words, you're rotating each face of the cube out into another dimension of space. Very heady, abstract mathematical concept, very difficult to visualize. So image number 76 is an animated GIF image which shows how a hypercube is actually rotating uh, perpetually, rotating within itself. In this way it can be seen as a, a self creating um, Shape that uh, is always feeding into itself in a feedback loop, and this could be looked at as a, a box that can never be escaped from. Okay, it could be looked at as a prison of the mind inside the prison of the physical world. So being in the world and of it, you know, not being in the world and not of it, but really being identified with base consciousness and physical world is all there is mentality. Okay. Um, it's the symbol of that identification and level of mind control. So the inner cube would represent the mind being held prisoner in the outer cube, which represents the physical world as a prison, if that's how one were inclined to see it. And this is the dark occult worldview. The dark occult worldview is... That everything is a prison, that you know, natural law, cosmic law, is all set up as a prison for the soul, uh, when, in fact, it's, nothing could be further from the truth, it's something that is there to help guide us evolutionarily, and it's the boundary conditions that this uh, entire universe operates according to, uh, according to that higher cosmic law. And it's there uh, for our evolutionary growth and development in this construct, for experience. Uh, the dark worldview. The dark occult worldview sees it as sees this whole place as a prison, and their ultimate objective is uh, let's rule it, let's rule this prison. Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. A very poisonous ideology, to be sure. We'll pick up and how this dark occult uh, hypercube symbolism is used on next week's show, because unfortunately, that's all the time we have on this first ad show. Pick it up add three next week right here what on earth is happening thanks for listening everyone see you next week dancing in the